Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today, we're joined by Paul Strong, who's Head of Central Operations at Magnet. Hi, Paul. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you. Good. Thanks for coming on. It's uh, going to be an interesting one, this. So for those that may not be familiar with you, let's find out a bit more about you first. Tell us a bit about your career history, how you ended up being Head of Central Ops at Magnet Kitchens. Yeah, sure. So uh, going back to, I guess, start of career, so started my career working for uh, Marks and Spencer. So joining their uh, graduate training scheme back in 2004. Uh, I spent a good few years with Marks and Spencer's and went on to Selfridges and Asda uh, working in retail operations uh, and then moved into central roles with Asda. Uh, and have worked then in central roles for Asda, Dunelm, and now Magnet uh, for the last eight years. And uh, I guess why did I move into these central functions? I think I loved retail operations and being able to make an impact to a store or a group of stores, but moving centrally and being able to uh, have that impact on customers and colleagues across an entire store network. Uh, in terms of Magnet, I joined uh, Magnet back in April this year as Head of Central Operations. Central Operations is a new role for Magnet, which we can come on to talk about why uh, we've got the role. Uh, so accountable for Central Ops, but also responsible for customer care and the installation teams. Brilliant. So some really good heritage brands there that you've worked for, and now you're at another great one, which is Magnet. Hopefully everybody listening knows who Magnet are, but let's assume that there might be a few that don't. Do you want to give us kind of an overview of Magnet? There's some really interesting dynamics in there in terms of trade versus retail as well that might be worth explaining. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess Magnet from a brand over 100 years old, uh, and as you've mentioned, uh, pretty unique in the sense that we serve both the retail consumer, but also the trade customer. So as a business, we have got uh, different sites. We have got our mixed stores, which do serve both both of those customers. But then we have got specific sites around uh, retail consumer and the trade customer. So that puts us in a real unique position. Over the course of this year, we've done a lot of work around our brand and uh, repositioning our brand in uh, what is a, uh, a fairly competitive market. Uh, and hopefully people have started to see more about Magnet uh, we've recently relaunched uh, the brand and uh, it's all about Magnet being better by design. And there's been kind of a, a good run for, let's say, DIY home improvements in the last 18 months because we've all been at home. We've all been looking around thinking, I can't go on holiday, I can't do X, Y and Z, so I'll do my kitchen, I'll do my garden, I'll paint the walls. So I assume it's been quite a roller coaster journey kind of prior to your time and when you arrived and now things may be a settling down and all the future plans are coming into place yeah sure i think the obviously everyone was impacted over the events over the last 18 months i guess from a kitchen retail point of view our challenge was that we had to close uh, whereas some of the big shed diy retailers could continue trading cert, uh, through certain points of lockdown for us, it was around how we adapted and uh, introduced our virtual uh, design uh, service. So this is for customers to obviously have that virtual appointment. So during uh, COVID and during lockdown, we introduced a central design team. Uh, but then also we had colleagues who continued to offer that virtual design service to customers during lockdown. As you mentioned, from April, 
clearly uh, doors back open, uh, which has now uh, given us kind of some good stride for this year. But as you mentioned, getting on with kind of the plans that we had ready to roll out. And your plans are interesting because we've worked together on a number of things and I'm sure we'll we'll touch on them as we move through the the conversation. But lots of organisations are in cost-saving mode, are in understanding how national living wage is going to impact them and then trying to offset that. Your your world's more around giving time back to colleagues to deliver great service, maybe to even have a bigger headcount than we have when we're recording today. Absolutely. So I think we, uh, every business uh, in some way was impacted by, uh, I guess, the events over the last 18 months and continue to be impacted. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, and I'm sure we'll talk about the work that you've done for us, but I guess as a business, we are looking at how we can uh, simplify and improve processes in our stores not to do what many businesses are probably doing, which is to remove headcount. We're actually looking at how we can remove those tasks, simplify the processes to give our colleagues time to serve customers. I guess one of the key things for us when we talk, and I mentioned that magnet better by design, we've identified that we've got to deliver a step change in the service experience that we deliver to our customers. And that obviously changes between trade and retail. So from a trade point of view, it's around product range. It's about availability. It's about responsiveness and speed of service. Within retail, it's all about design excellence. And everything that we do, we just need to do better. I guess what's happened over the years is we've introduced lots of processes. uh, We've added lots of complexity. So we've got 200 stores uh, that operate in a slightly different way Uh, and our big focus uh, for uh, it has been for this year but certainly going into next year is to identify uh, the tasks and activities that are I guess giving complexity to our colleagues that we can simplify Uh, but what are those processes that we can challenge and think differently what are the processes that we just need to centralize and move into our head office teams and as you mentioned, this is to give time back to serve better. And you said there, so you've identified you need to deliver a step change in service. Is that driven by customer feedback? Is that driven by competitors up in their game? Why Why has that become the kind of central focus point? You know, look, the, the competitor set, uh, I guess, in all businesses is challenging. I guess we are actively understanding, talking to customers. Uh, we never stop listening to our customers. And I think that what we've done through that uh, is we, we, we've just understood that we've got to do better. Uh, I'm not saying that every stage of our service experience is poor. Uh, however, uh, what we've identified are areas within our service journey that have got to get better. And when we've started to dig a bit deeper as to why they're not as good as we would like them to be or our customers expect, that's where we identify some of the processes that get in the way of being better. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think it's worth pointing out that for those that haven't worked in, I'd call them high value, emotional, considered purchase environments, you've only got a certain time span with a customer every five, six, 10 years, depending on how kitchen fashions change. It's not, you know, I'll try this type of margarine this week, didn't like it, I'll try this one next week. So you've only got really... Uh, critical points in time 
with a customer to get it right. And if you get it wrong, you might not see him again ever or for 10, 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, you know, it's, I think it's a, it's a very considered purchase. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, look, many customers, it's what every 10 years I'll buy a kitchen. It's a big financial investment. And I think that we've therefore got to make sure that we're giving our colleagues the time to spend with our customers. We don't want our customers to feel rushed in that purchasing decision. Uh, so it's really important that we've got enough colleagues available to give the time that our customers are expecting uh, on what's a really important spending decision. Taking that time to really understand uh, the customer's needs and wants really getting under the skin of the customer's lifestyle and how they use their uh, space, their kitchen space, with the output of this being uh, an exceptional design. That's kind of retail. And the trade customers, for me, and what I've seen when we've been in the stores working with your teams, have a kind of different expectation as well. So they'll be under pressure from their customer to get in, get out, get the new part, get a part that, they need that they didn't know they need all that kind of stuff so you've got multiple different types of customers and different journeys that you've got to cater for as well yeah for sure so i guess from a trades uh trade customer uh they've got a customer who they're working on behalf of uh therefore you know they've got their own uh reputation and credibility therefore as i mentioned earlier us being able to have the right range of product available at the right time and quick services are really important. So what our trade customers don't want to be doing is driving from retailer to retailer to get what they need. So that, as you mentioned, the service requirements of trade is very different to retail uh, because they've got an end user who essentially they could be letting down. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And again, for those that have only worked with one end customer in retail that you know walks through the doors, puts it in the basket, walks out, having this different demographic and split of customer types adds, adds some real complexity and some, some real value as well. Because clearly, if you get it right for the trade, they can almost be a silent ambassador in terms of Magnet are great. Every time I go there, they've got what I want. The team can get me what I need. So almost you, you generate a, a loyal trade base as well as a walking customer base. For sure, and I think I think the uh, you mentioned previously around customers buying a kitchen maybe every five to ten years with our trade customer who are working on behalf of other customers, they're buying kitchens multiple times a year. So the importance of that service through availability, product range, etc., uh, are fundamental to driving success. So that that's kind of the now. We've done some work with you to help hopefully speed up the, the areas of opportunity and the things maybe that are getting in the way. So what, what does the next 12 months look like in terms of delivering things on behalf of colleagues and customers? What things are in the, the pipeline that you're thinking about and working on? Yeah, so as you've mentioned, you've done some work for us in terms of work studies to identify, I guess, you've identified but also validated for us some of the things that were probably on our minds that needed some focus that has given us a I guess a great start point of uh I guess where we've got those quick wins and those uh, bigger opportunities to uh simplify process remove process what we've probably done just firstly over the last kind of six months is just worked on uh, with the introduction of central operations how we can uh, communicate better to our store colleagues. 
Uh, one of the first ones that I've put in was around actually how do we communicate in one consistent way. So where we were actually was everybody could communicate to a store, whether that was a an instruction, uh, whether that was a piece of engagement material. So one of the first things we have done is uh, reduce communication. We've got better at how we flow and plan activity to our stores and generally just engage our colleagues in a better way. I think in terms of coming on to the next 12 months, we have one objective, uh, which is around how we can increase our time with our customers. And to do that, we've got to look at these non-value-added activities. We've got to look at these high-task activities that are just taking too much time. And, you know, tasks such as PC admin, so part of your work study identified that 21% of time is around PC admin. That, for me, then says that we've got to do more deeper diving into the complexities of some of our processes and systems uh, to reduce that time to give them more free time for customers. It's interesting, isn't it, on that point that you, lots of businesses can almost predict when customers come in and the flow, certainly in FMCG, some your ASDA days and MS days on the food side, you get lots of customers all the time. Flow of customers trade slightly different, so early in the day, going on to site and later in the day, getting ready for the next day and a bit in between. That that retail customer, clearly more weekend focused potentially, but within the week, very, very spiky as in you might see nobody for a couple of hours and then three walk in all of a sudden. So being ready and available has to be a kind of key priority in all of that in terms of freeing up people's work. Absolutely. And I think the, I guess the virtual uh, design service has slightly changed patterns because uh, we can now do a 90-minute appointment virtually so the customer's not having to leave the home, travel to a showroom. Uh, I guess, as you've said, uh, trading patterns between trade and retail uh, differ significantly. So from a trade point of view, we do have that half-seven expectation. We do have that peak. Uh, and then, I guess, trade drops off and then picks up then throughout the day. From a retail perspective, uh, it is certainly around that weekend opportunity. So making sure that we've got better colleague availability at the weekend uh, to uh, deliver the experience, but also that it's not a quick service experience. So I guess in my experience with different retailers where it's very transactional, you can serve customers quite quickly Uh, We spend between 90 minutes and two hours with a customer on a design appointment. Uh, Therefore, for us, it's around looking at how we have colleagues who are uh, focused on that initial engagement and uh, dialogue with customers uh, before they get into their uh, design experience. Yeah, back back to the point, it's a very different transaction is it emotional clearly a different financial proposition as well which some of the things I know you're working on will help ease that kind of financial piece in terms of spreading the cost and and interest free etc but it isn't it isn't I want this I'm going to get it there's many options there's many points of advice there's the whole design piece so it's a lot more considered much like much like buying a car you're kind of in that in that same mold aren't you of choices and options and variables yeah for sure and it doesn't stop at the design appointment uh you know our colleagues will uh interact communicate with the customers all through that journey so uh, I guess what we do is we handhold that customer. We will project manage it. 
we obviously offer the installation service within Magnet as well. So it's not that uh, one interaction. It's not as simple as you come in for a design appointment, you buy a kitchen, you pay a deposit. Uh, we go out and we do home measures. We check the uh, the measurements. Uh, we do our right first time checks before placing orders. So whilst a customer is probably having a design appointment for 90 minutes, the uh, the work doesn't stop at that point. So it is, it is ongoing for every single customer. So, so, so you know, getting more time available not just for customer interaction in the showroom but to make sure that we're following and connecting all those dots to make sure that when the customer has a uh, magnet uh, experience at home in their install uh, that we deliver to their expectations yeah and that there's so many little little bits and nuances where it goes really well or potentially could be a bit of an issue further downstream and again it's making sure that if a customer does have questions or issues that you can resolve those in a a timely manner because clearly they've probably got one of your fitters or a fitter on site that is a cost and has a limited time span to be there which kind of then brings us back to almost the start of the conversation of making sure you've got you can get the stock quickly and efficiently and all the other bits that you've been looking at yes so i think the uh you know, whether it's a retail consumer or if it's a trades uh, customer, the importance of uh, that 100% availability. Uh, appreciate that, you know, that a kitchen comes, you know, there's many components when you have a kitchen delivered. I guess the ambition has got to be get right first time 100%. But then when things don't go right, it's around that speed of response in terms of remedials. So as you've mentioned, uh, a fitter is then booked up for the next job. Therefore, our speed of response to get in uh, any replacement parts that may have been damaged in transit, uh, there could be uh, an item missing. Uh, I guess that responsiveness and speed of response is absolutely critical for us. Yeah, and I, I think as consumers, we're all... We know it can never be right all of the time. If you aspire to it and fall slightly short, then you'll be in a good place. But it is that if something goes wrong, what's the you know attitude of the colleagues? How responsive are they? Did they keep me informed? Because there'll be some things that are always outside of people's control. So I think that's always the test of any organisation of everyone's great when it's going well. Actually, if the chips are down, how do the team rise? How do they keep me informed to make sure that I know they're doing all they can? So I think that that's the true test. And, you know, as you say, if you aspire to be perfect, if 99.9 are, it's always that point one where you step up and give gold-plated service to make sure that they remember that, yeah, it wasn't right first time, but they did everything they could, kept me informed. When I'm looking for a kitchen next, I'll go back and I'll ask for that individual. Yes. And I think if we go back to the how we free time up to colleagues, so all the way through the process, they have the right amount of time to do the right level of checks for every single customer. If we can do that, we will get a better output and there will be less issues at the end of the journey. Uh, And uh, you have done some great work for us in terms of process mapping, identifying, I guess, where we've got some pinch points and opportunities to get better. Uh, I think, you know, that's everything from... uh, you know, some of the systems that are slightly complex, uh, the way that we uh, we bank our cash, uh, the way that we uh, uh, deal with that kind of after-sales service experience. 
if we can improve all of those processes slightly, that will give more time to colleagues, which will then make sure that we have less issues at the back end of the process. So absolutely, we need to make sure that we've got a very quick response of remedials. But our objective has got to be, let's get it right through the process. So we've got that service to rely on, but let's not rely on it. We've not done a good job throughout. Now that makes sense. So sounds sounds like the, the journey is well underway. Uh, plen- plenty to go up, but I know you guys are working really hard to deliver that as well. In terms of things for people to watch out for in the next 12 months you've talked about some of those any other things you want to mention i guess the uh the, look, the big one is is you know what's sat here today uh there's obviously lots of uncertainty again particularly around covid uh so you know that obviously you know is on i'm sure everyone's mind in terms of what next uh and i guess as i guess as a, a retailer we're in a different position to where we were uh, in March 2020, because we've been through it and we understood or we understand what we need to do different. Uh, I guess there's one around, I guess generally in the market in terms of uh, there seems to be a very high uh, number of job roles and vacancies. Uh, so for us, it's around making sure that as a business, we are, you know, look, we, 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 we've got the best plans to uh, retain our colleagues. Uh, but also that we are uh, attractive to uh, recruiting new talent into the business. I guess from a business point of view, look, it's really bright. Uh, as we said, you know, this isn't about let's reduce processes to reduce cost to take heads out. This is all about investing for a better future uh, and investing for our colleagues and our customers. Excellent. And I think you've got a great foundation to build on. So final question from me, Paul, what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given? I think the best for me, and it's one thing that I've taken from, I guess, the start of my career is listening to your people in shops. I haven't stopped listening. And I think that's probably from me being back in stores. So, you know, when I was a colleague in store with ideas, suggestions, I've always been encouraged to listen to our colleagues in store because they are at the forefront uh, they are the ones who have got the complexity in process and understand it they are the ones who are dealing day in day out with our with our customers uh, so for me it's around I've always been encouraged to never lose sight and never stop listening to the teams in shops because that will improve uh, the way they feel but it will also uh, deliver better for the customer. No, I like that one. And, and the teams that do it day in, day out, all, always have some of the gold dust as well. It's, it's amazing how untapped sometimes they are. And, and absolutely. And I think some of the recent things and some of the things that we're landing, so uh, we have, uh, you've referred to it earlier on, as you've just, ref- you refer to interest-free credit. Uh, that was from being out in stores talking to uh, our colleagues uh, who had told us that, it was it was missing in our kind of financial offer to the customer. Uh, some of the uh, things we've done around communication, all of these things have been born from uh, me and uh, the wider teams being out, listening, learning, understanding from our colleagues because 
as you mentioned, they are the ones who are there day in, day out, talking to and serving our customers. Amazing. I know you've got a really good team in place and a really good plan, so look forward to seeing all that come to fruition. Appreciate your time, Paul, for coming on. I know it's a busy time of year for you guys as well. And um, thanks for coming on and staying in touch. No, thank you very much. And thank you for uh, the great work that you've done, uh, which will set us up nicely for next year. Thank you. You're welcome.